to introduce uh, my co-host, the salty to my sweet, the tie-dyed wonder, the bearded god, Mr. Dave Yates. All those things are untrue. Um, sans, th- I-, I am wearing tie-dye for the listeners at home, per use. Um, per use. You got to keep it, you got to keep it fishy. Oh, yep. Keeping, Do you keeping hate that? Sm- keeping smelling, smelling like the ocean, guys. Keep it fishy. Can I tell you? <laughs> can I tell you? Uh, there is a uh, uh, an Instagram account that my roommate and I uh, hate follow, and every night we watch her stories. And she just finished a forty or like a thirty some odd day tour through Mexico backpacking, and she kept hooking up with these like. I couldn't figure out a word to place them. And finally, I just shouted, Wooks! They're Wooks! They're yep. Wooks and DJs! Ah, the worst. So I want you to know that you've spread the good gospel. Teaching the, wor- teaching the world about Wooks. And what the fuck is a Wook? A Wook is a basic, um, uh, like, Trustafarian, dreadlock, white, hippie kid, dirty. There's also girls can be Wooks as well, but just that whole dirty, dreadlocky. Can I borrow your everything? Want this dirty grilled cheese sandwich? It's the description. Where does that come from? Wook. Well, uh, uh, if you're familiar with Star Wars, um, like a Wookie. Oh, just hairy, gross people. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You, you nailed it. it, buddy. It was the description of a person who would borrow your chapstick, like gotcha. ask to borrow your chapstick. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, that's so accurate. But we digress. Dave, would you like to read our beautiful clarity statement? Sure can. Welcome to 12 Questions Podcast, where we believe that growth and recovery isn't just for clean and sober people. Our mission is to share our experiences with guests who do the same. We're not affiliated with AANA or any other 12-step organization. 12 Questions has absolutely no opinion on the use of drugs or alcohol by anyone. We are simply two people that happen to be in recovery that want to give hope to anyone struggling. Although some of our guests may be clean and sober, some of them are not or choose not to divulge. The purpose of the podcast is to learn more about ourselves and others, and we only hope that you can learn something about yourselves by listening. Yay! And I'm very... Uh, I've. This has been a long time coming, having this guest on. I'm very, uh, very stoked in how we have our guests introduce themselves because sometimes they want to come on all incognito, you know what I mean, and spill the real tea. Uh, who are we speaking with today? Well, my name is in the bottom left corner, so I'm Rob Puglisi. Hi, guys. Hi, Can't Rob. Incognito. Thanks for having me. Yay, thanks for doing it. You are, you are a friend to both of us. I remember uh, meeting you on a gig with Ken Gar, former guest Ken Gar. It was a Verzi and gig, a Verzi triplet gig. A Verzi triplet gig, you crushed. The worst you, kind of gig. You no, know, it was the best kind of gig. And no, the grossest people. And you were, uh, you were, you were having a rough ass day. That was like my first oh, introduction right. to you. You were having like the world's roughest day. Dude, that was, I was in a terrible relationship and it was one of those times where whenever I meet anyone at that point in my life, they're going to hear about my whole life story. You know, when you're just like, I can't keep anything inside. I'm dying. Yeah. That was bad. Yeah. Yeah. It that was, relationship uh... didn't end for like another five months because I'm an idiot. Yeah, I mean, I figured, but you know, that's how we addicts do it. It's a, my um, my homegirl uh, or my roommate last night said that she she said it was somebody else's joke that something sometimes things will happen in a relationship and you'll think to yourself, I'm not going to break up with you over this, but it will be added to the dossier. You the know, like this yeah. this isn't the thing, 
but it's going to be one of the things. I'll bring this up in the end. I'll bring this up. It's on the permanent record. It's on the permanent record. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So we love, we love to hang on for dear life. Um, But I, uh, yeah. And I've I've seen you do stand up, uh, run into you. I do have to tell you a very funny story. Dave wants me to tell this to you. I got a text. I got a text from, uh, I, I have a lot of, I go to a lot of LBGTQ meetings like most straight women do. And, uh, I have a lot of friends, um, in the LBGTQ, like 12 step community. And a friend of mine was like, Hey, you know what comic name wrong? And I was like, I was like, yeah, but like, anyway, we were going back and forth. He was like, I think this guy's a comic. And I was like, Oh, okay. 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 Cause he's kind of comedy adjacent. And, um, and over time, um, the gays deemed you behind your back, hot Rob. Who really? Yeah. So you're hot Rob. Just so you know, you have an Where official gaze. You have, have a what? You have an official program nickname, and yep, that's how, that's how you are in my phone. Is hot Rob? You are don't know that. Or they're group they're group people. Group people. Yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Dave was right. I, I was like, something? yeah. I'm very proud of. I just got my first um, gay fan who uh, now regularly asks for dick pics. That's a pretty big deal for me. Hey, that means you're doing good. Are you sending the pics? In the grand scheme of Hollywood? That means you made it, right? You You got to make sure you write Hot Rob on the side of the shaft. Yeah, I do. Every time. I can spell out uh, Ho. It just says Ho. Ho? I, uh... (laughs) Yeah, some kid I know, just some gay dude who followed me on Instagram and liked our comedy and then was like, out of the blue one day, he just started talking. He's like, hey, you're funny, man. I was like, all right, sure. And then out of the blue one day, he was like, can I have a picture of your dick, please? And uh, I was like, yeah, $500. And he was like, I will do it for $10. So we met in the middle. At $15. (laughs) $12 richer. Amazing. Well, Amazing. that's very flattering. Thank you, Anna, for telling me yeah, that. So we will be referring to you as Hot Rob. Hot Rob from now on. Um, sure. It was it was really funny. One time uh, I ran into you at the improv and we were talking and my homegirl who I went to the improv with was like, who's that guy you were talking to? And I was in and I was like, oh, yeah, that's just Rob. And, he, and, she, and she was like, oh, he seems like really nice, like kind of flirty. And I said, uh-uh, that's Hot Rob. That's just who he is. That's just how he talks to ladies. That's just it. Don't don't, don't ever personalize it. Don't ever personalize a conversation with Hot Rob. That's just how I talk to you, Anna. I oh, talk to sh- anybody else like how that. do you talk to Dave? You give him you you make him feel special. I try not to talk to men at all. Yeah, um, he doesn't. It barely talks to me. <laughs> if there's eye contact, I take it as a sign of aggression, and I swear <laughs> up immediately. Mm-hmm. You're if like there's any eye contact what? at all. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Very spiritual. Very spiritual. So how you been holding up, ma'am? I've been all right. This past year was fucking uh, awesome. <laughs> Dude, I loved it. It was great. Needed a break? Was, Needed some yeah. explore yourself alone time? Yeah, too much of that. And uh, But at first it was nice. The first three months were good. And then after that I started, I was hanging out with my buddy who is a co-conspirator on the show aforementioned and uh, i've known him since we were 12 so i've known him my whole life we worked together and i only saw him every day for maybe six months last year and it literally became the shining we were just staring at each other plotting ways to kill one another i swear to god i would just be like you fucking eat weird but uh yeah i don't know other than yeah. that I I liked the government paying me not to do anything that was fun. Yeah, I I hate to say it, but I I also needed that self reflection time. I needed uh, I didn't go into a, a shining moment. I I get along with my roommate quite well, but um, and I know we'd mentioned it before we started recording, but you sold a show. Yeah, we did. Yep, it's called the Red Rob Roy Show. We sold it to a young gentleman who is an independent producer and uh, apparently has bad taste in things, so he paid for it. And, uh, Would you just shut up and celebrate yourself? You did great. Nah. Fuck it. From the East Stop Coast. That. Spoiler no, alert. It was the same kid who wanted the dick pic. So he's like, oh. I'll give you the dick pic for 15 but you have to buy my sketch show. It was a package show. Yeah. yeah. It was a package deal. 
<laughs> small package. It's very small baggage. <laughs> you got a dick pic in an entire TV show. Yeah, you're ridiculous. Oh my gosh. Let's get into this. Rob, how do you experience surrender in your life? I am bad at that. The only time I've ever fully experienced it is uh, the first. Wait, are we talking steps or no? We're yeah. talking, yeah. We're I talking mean, they are 12 you, questions. Yeah. They are modeled after 12 steppy steps. Well, I yeah, didn't know if you guys were going for anonymity or whatever. I mean, well, we do. We speak about we speak about the steps in a general way. So mm-hmm. like the rooms and 12 step and recovery yeah. and stuff like that. Based on uh, with coffee. You, you know, that blow your thing. anonymity, Rob. Go for Go it. Go for it. Um, the only time I fully experienced it is when I was trying to quit drinking and doing drugs. Since then... It's been extraordinarily difficult. I am a very stubborn person and a very willful person, as I think mm-hmm. most addicts are. I think that's the curse, right? You have this mm-hmm. strong will that only uh, usually leads you astray and never does good for you. So, um, you know, a true surrender, like a full surrender, has only happened to me that once when I was, it took an outside influence, very strong one of death, imminent death. Um, or worse, being alive for a very long time and being fucking miserable for the rest yeah. of my life and making everybody around me miserable. Mm-hmm. Um, that was the only time that I truly fully surrendered. But minor surrenders occur, and they're usually in the form of growth, meaning, um, you know, I don't know. I, I never, learning to ask other people for advice on small matters is a surrender to me. Not, um, not, you know, saying what I want to say right away mm-hmm. and instead asking somebody I trust, like, is this a bad idea? Mm-hmm. Swallowing my pride. Those are all surrenders, but a true, like spiritual, really fully letting go has only truly happened to me that once. And, uh, I don't know if I'm unique in that, but it's, it's difficult for me to experience that. Hmm. I don't think, I don't think you're unique in that way. And some would argue they say that sometimes in the rooms that the only step you have to do correctly is the first one, you know? Yeah, I think that's true. I think I that's mean, 100% true. As long as that one's uh, solid, you know, we hope you're not going to die from the other things. Right. Yeah, even the first step was hard for me. I was sober for, I got sober originally when I was 22 years old. And wow. uh, I went into the program and did all of the steps, had a spiritual experience. Um, all that good stuff. And a couple of things happened at the time where it was a difficult situation, but uh, the main thing was that there was still like a lingering idea that, you know, maybe I was making too big a deal out of drinking. Mm. And that was like that one tiny molecule of a thought was all it took when things were bad for me to go back down that route. I do not envy people getting sober, especially when I try to help people. Well, look at the uh, pandemic, too. Can you imagine fucking getting clean and sober in yeah, the digital it's space? I honestly would probably have been like, had a hand. If I, if I would have got sober in the pandemic, it probably would have taken me having a handle of whiskey under the desk that I'm sitting at. And I would take the video off, take a swig, and turn it back on and been like, uh-huh. I'm this meeting. Uh-huh. Dave. Yeah, I know. I can't. It's wild, man. I think some people. I think it. I think for some people, uh, it's better. But sure, I, it wouldn't have been for me. I think some oh. people liked the solitude and the, uh, you know. But I wouldn't. I couldn't. The problem was I couldn't stop. Right. So I right. needed fucking distraction. I can't imagine just being home. I, uh, the one benefit I do think of the online meeting is I've, uh, not in the last year and a half had to hug some like weird old man that wants to like grind that hug up or sneak in. You're doing service, Anna. It's called service. Oh, oh, just like, I don't, oh, (laughs) why don't you just go like, I'm good. I do. I do. Um, they're not a hundred percent, um, receptive to that uh they oftentimes don't uh like hear that one time i was praying out and we were we were um we were uh not hand holding but doing this thing where we're Mm -hmm. that's a dead giveaway (laughs) and um and uh, a dude ran his hand down my back 
like slowly. And in the middle of the prayer, I just went, no. Screams no. I just, I just screamed no, and I wa- and I stepped forward. I was like, ah. Oh, um, that's awesome. What did yeah. you do? Well, he just he looked real embarrassed and then Good. slowly and then like and some people were like, what happened? And I was like, yo, uh, but again, trying to slip a finger in my butt crack. I was, you know, I was 20 years old. When I, Holy Ghost. Yeah, I was I was 20 years old when I got there. So I was like real, you know, I've I've I'm now too old to creep upon. But um, it it what there was a time where it was uh, look, um, be like so, a much older guy. Yeah, always. Always. Anyway, it's a um, yeah, it doesn't happen. Yeah, it, it doesn't happen like that in every meeting. But um, for sure, that's been a benefit of the last year of just being like, I'm gonna go to my women's meetings. I'm gonna hang out. I'm gonna connect with people in other areas that I haven't that I've lived in that I haven't seen in forever. That's been very nice. That's cool. So, but Rob, what was your like? What would you say has been the most insane moment that you've had either in or out of recovery? Um, in or in or like drinking, you want to drink, sorry. Either, either or. way. It could yeah, be whatever you want to do. most insane moment you've had, either insane good or insane bad. Yeah. Oh, uh, fuck. You can do both if you want. I just told this story not too long ago on a different pod, so horn it up but it is insane it was i was a very violent drinker and uh oh hey me too i love to fight yeah, mm-hmm. yeah me too yeah. and uh, i never won i always got my ass kicked um but i talked a lot of shit we would go to i'm from connecticut and we would go to all the different state schools that our friends were going to and we weren't me and a couple of buddies we would just go drink and party while they were at college you know mm-hmm. and we went to eastern I think it was Eastern State University. And uh, I was drinking Jägermeister. And that shit is like death, <sighs> violence in a bottle. I hate and, that. And uh, it's the best. We got, it's the best, but it was the worst. Black licorice, though? Ugh. That's a, ugh. the flavor of Jäger. Ugh. I remember I used to drink the big one, the $30 bottle one every night. Yeah. Like the whole one. Ugh, I was drinking gross. that. We got kicked out of his dorm for being too loud. We were just wandering around the campus. So I went into a frat house like it was a whole house and i just walked into the courtyard and there was like two kids outside i was like hey are we partying guys and they were like no who, who are you i was like yeah we're partying and there was like three of my friends behind me and they were like dude you gotta leave and then some girl was like yeah leave and because i'm an asshole i was like shut up and then the kid uh i'm guessing her boyfriend punched me in the face and then i punched him and then like 30 literally 30 kids poured out of the house jump me and then my buddies tried to jump in uh, i got knocked out at one point and i was with this big russian kid like huge and uh he just like pulled people off of me and grabbed me and i was unconscious and just like walked me away put me on my feet and i like gained consciousness and i just turned around and ran and jumped back into the pile of people and uh, he was like oh what the fuck and then the cops came and uh, my shirt was torn and we were I was running full speed while puking with my shirt off and I passed out in the grass and I had to wear some girl's bright pink shirt. And, uh, so I came to covered in puke and wearing a bright pink shirt and, uh, shit like that happened frequently. I lost teeth. Uh, I got my arm broken in a fight. Like, yeah, it was insanity. It was pretty often where for me, like, I would start drinking and I remember I was like 19. I remember and like starting drinking and being terrified because I didn't know what was going to happen that night. Like I could go to, I don't know what's going to happen. I have no Mm -hmm. idea. Um, So that was one of the crazier ones. I only think I'd give me a nice one too, probably. Yeah. I remember the last couple of years of my drinking and drug use was just so insane and sad. And um, at the end I started doing a lot of painkillers and Drinking's like a an always thing, um, but when you have an opiate addiction, it's like a necessity thing. So mm-hmm. that's when I started stealing, you know, and steal mm-hmm. from family and friends and shit. And it was just fucking dark and sad. I lived in Connecticut. It was the middle of winter, and uh, I remember just walking one day, and I was always able to rationalize my actions. 
you know, no matter what I was doing, I was still like, yeah, but I'm a good guy. You know, at the end of yeah. the day, I'm a good guy. And mm-hmm. I remember I was walking one day, just stolen some money and I was going to buy pills. And I remember thinking like, I am not a good guy. There's no rationalization anymore. I'm a bad guy. And it was just constant. It was just so fucking depressing. And, you know, it was either getting high and nodding out and falling asleep or waking up insane trying to steal money to get drugs to you know get high and fall asleep and i remember the best thing that happened to me in early sobriety was um and it's gonna sound very insignificant it is but it was the first time i'd experienced boredom in like yeah probably five years i was just sitting on the couch and i wasn't miserable i was sort of happy and i was slightly contented and i remember feeling bored and i was so grateful because i hadn't had any like peace or respite literally in like five years it was just fucking constant chaos and that for me was a very uh a poignant moment it was kind of minor and significant you know more uh wonderful things have happened falling in love falling out of love all that stuff but having that uh that moment early sobriety of just being like fuck this is nice i'm not losing my mind currently because mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but <clears throat> I was certain towards the end of my drinking that things would never get better. Like I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that my life was never going to improve. I knew that. Like there's one oh, thing yeah. I knew for sure in the world. It was that. And to I be wrong too. is nice. I think too, when you, you, that, uh, that, um, self-preservation <laughs> alert bell just dies in your brain. Right. Yeah. Like, that's scary. like a lot of people. S- I used to climb shit hammered like Mm -hmm. we'd be in downtown Chicago and there'd be we'd be on a roof partying and there'd be like a like a roof party a a what you got a problem with that you got a A problem with a roof a roof a roof roof. roof. we'd be on a roof partying (laughs) in Chicago where I'm from they have buildings tall buildings there I don't know if they have those in Connecticut but we'd be drinking and I would find a old abandoned watershed on top of the roof. And I would go climb it. So not only were we 20 stories up, but then I would go another few stories, drunk as shit, climb this rusty ladder just to sit up there and just look out. Yeah. And people would be yelling, you're fucking stop, get down. I'm like, yeah, I don't climb shit anymore. Because it's like that fear response. It's like, I don't even climb a tree anymore because it's like, I, I just didn't have it because I could have fell to my instant death. I love times. a climb. I still love a climb. I've been, I've been bungee jumping. I've been, I've been. See, I'd go bungee. I'd go. It's not a, it's not a fear. Skydiving. It's yeah. Yeah. It's not a fear. I, I love a, a climb a thing though. I still don't do. have a fear of heights, but I didn't <laughs> I, I, I have, I didn't have a fear of death. That's what yeah. I'm talking about. Like I'm not afraid of heights or doing things or like death in, but like the whole, like, I'm probably going to die like this. And I just went on and accepted it. I would. Well, even the sadder thing is like the, you, the, the, when the fight leaves you where you're just like, yeah, I quit. I'm not trying mm-hmm. to get better. Well, he talks about in uh, some of the books in um, AA about how, you know, we tried, switching different drinks we tried all these methods to stop drinking and i was 22 and i entered and it had been so long since i even tried to stop that like i didn't relate to it i was like i haven't what do you mean that's not even a realistic option i i drink that's just what happens there was no hey i'm gonna today i'm gonna turn my life around it was an insane thought that made no sense yeah i would wake up and i would be pissed that i was still alive mm-hmm. yeah and I would, I was inadvertently trying to kill myself. Like I, I didn't, yeah. I didn't, make any, That's yeah, I didn't make any attempts, but I was genuinely displeased at my waking up. I would finish whatever alcohol was around me. And then the only time I left the house at the end was like to walk to the liquor store and buy whatever I could to continue drinking. Dude, that's what's so wild about it now is like looking back on it. I've been sober 10 years, 10 years in March <clears throat> and, uh, like it's a very sad thing <clears throat> and at the time it's so tragic and i didn't realize like how they talk about it being selfish but looking back on it now it's so fucking selfish mm-hmm. like you're so self-absorbed in your own 
self-pity. Like my life wasn't bad. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a good family. Um, I had good people around me. I just was a fucking psycho. I was just a crazy person. Yeah. And I created all this misery in my life. And it was just all about how unhappy I was and nothing else mattered. And how the idea that like life sucks, it's like that is the most pompous, douchey, like nowadays to look at that like that is the stupidest sentiment to have you don't get to decide life sucks because you're sad you know right life is amazing and wonderful your life sucks that's fine and that's in many ways a decision like you you decide like you know what this isn't that bad i decided i hated myself that was my decision i'm like oh this is just who i am i fucking hate myself and i hate all of you Oh, go ahead, sorry, Dave. No, no, and that was that was it. I hate myself, and I hate all of you. That was a, a, a definite decision that kept me drinking. Yeah, for sure. We talk about in AA uh, or those meetings. I don't know what I'm supposed to say. If you guys care, I don't care about it's people knowing I'm in AA. Yeah, it's up to but, you. Um, how there's a lack of decision, right? When it comes to drinking, you get to a certain point where you can't decide to drink or not drink anymore. It just that's what it is. And uh, I think that's true for everything. If you're a bad alcoholic, you're not making choices, mm-hmm. you know, and it takes a lot of work. I remember people used to say you can just decide to be happy. And I hated that mm-hmm. shit so much. I you can decide that. to do the work to be happy, but you can't just like, oh, I'm happy now. You, like, well, you know the, what I mean? That's the line that normal people don't need. Normal people don't need. I can decide to do the work to be happy. Mm-hmm. Some normal people lead a pretty disciplined life in most areas. And some days, all it takes is them to go like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look at things in a positive light and be in a good mood today. And that's yeah. all it takes for them. Yeah. The idea of that was so fucking foreign to me. It made me furious because the, the amount of work it, ta- it took for me to get to a place where I could decide to be happy was years, like years of doing work on myself and my, my drinking and all that shit. And you mm-hmm. get to a point where you're able to make decisions again and decide things like that but well then how do you make decisions today in your life uh it's not the first couple of years of sobriety i asked everybody everything constantly (laughs) uh every little problem i had i went to somebody and i talked to them about you know or i took it upon myself and made the situation worse and then learned from that it's part of growing but nowadays man most of the time i make my own decisions whether that's good or bad and uh for the most part, it works. There are definitely areas of my life uh, where things are not where they should be. And I am 100% aware of that and 100% ignoring it and just doing what I want to do. That'll yeah. catch up to me. I know that. That's okay. Mm-hmm. But for a greater or lesser extent, like these pro- programs work and they work like sort of these programs is they work so well, you think you're fixed, right? So you walk away, people do that. But on a given day, um, I don't need to consult with people about how to live my life. Like, I was taught how to do it in my early years. I spent a lot of time fucking flubbering through every situation. And now, um, unless it's a big major decision, you know, a big major one, Mm -hmm. or it's a consistent issue that keeps coming up, I just... I know how to make the right choice most of the time. Yeah. Or if I don't and I make the bad choice, I'm aware that I'm doing it. Right. You know? And and uh, that I still do it. I mean, I've that's that's part the... of fun in life is making fucking bad decisions, dude. I'm a drug addict and alcoholic. Like I used to do cocaine until my heart hurt because I loved it. I mm-hmm. like doing bad shit sometimes because yeah. it's fun. Yeah, I was watching The Wire with my straight edge roommate and she was like, God, doesn't that burn? Because they were like taking shots. She was like, doesn't that fucking burn? And I said, that's the best part. And she went, what? Yeah. <laughs> I was like, I was like doing the thing till it hurts. That's the best part. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Really. I, mean, I, I used is to like knowingly choose still... that. Like, yeah, that the pain was part of it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what makes you feel alive, man. Yeah. Well, and you you had mentioned like, you know, uh, getting to know yourself and you had mentioned like that self-awareness. And what would you say that like the most interesting thing you've learned about yourself so far is? Um, well, there's early sobriety stuff that I learned, which was that 
amount of fear that I lived in because I was, uh, I was convinced that I was fearless, that I didn't have fear. Yeah. And, uh, and the reality was the absolute opposite. Like every fucking waking moment was fear. And I didn't know what it was like, dude, before coming in and doing the program, I had zero ability to understand a single emotion. Seriously. Mm -hmm. I knew horny. I knew what horny felt like. Mm -hmm. And I knew angry. I don't mm -hmm. even think horny is an emotion, but it was for me. <laughs> Maybe loneliness. Um... I didn't know that. Yeah. I didn't even know what those words meant. I just mm -hmm. knew like anger. I, the rest of the, I had the feelings, but I had zero ability to diagnose them. All that shit, like growing up, uh, was just like, you know, it's some guy shit part of it of being like, who cares? Like, that's, you shouldn't care about that. You got to be strong. Who cares? That's, you know, for cowards, like the word mm -hmm. lonely. Am I going to be fucking lonely? That's, you know, that's for weak yeah. people or whatever. Yeah. Real um, men get horny with yeah, uh, horny desperation with they punch things right. with their dicks <laughs> yeah exactly I, so i had zero ability to learn i i knew fucking nothing about myself zero mm -hmm. um what i learned was that i operated out of a lot of fear and that now what's coming up a lot is that i'm so fucking controlling about shit mm. and uh uh, it bothers me, but also, so that's bad things. Let's say it's good things. Um, I've learned that I have an incredible, incredible ability at times to be compassionate, which I did not think that existed in me. Um, yeah. That was something that I really, I thought I was a fucking sociopath my whole life because I was just drunk and high and never felt anything for anyone. Uh, so the ability to have genuine compassion. And I'm also surprised at times in my ability to articulate uh, some stuff that people in sobriety go through and to be able to communicate with people about it effectively. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's just like a God-given thing, but it's also a lot of it was just being around the program and hearing a lot and learning a lot. No, and, and that's the thing too. It's just like when I met you, I could I re, I respected uh, not your comedy, uh, but your knowledge. <laughs> Dave, of well, it's hard to respect something when you're envious. So I get yeah. that. Ah, this is the ball. It's hard to be envious when you're outside smoking cigarettes whenever you're on stage. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> but I honestly, I, I, I respected Rob immediately because of his knowledge of the program and and the steps because it's just not that's not just something that you know you get without actual work. Mm -hmm. Like people can repeat shit that they hear in meetings, and mm -hmm. that's one thing. But you can, once you've been around long enough, like you can see through that shit. But to have someone articulate in in their own voice the knowledge that has been passed on to them and then to pass it on to someone else, that that's a, that takes work. Mm -hmm. And so the diss is wrapped in a compliment that I, the one thing I have always respected about Rob is, is his, his knowledge of the program and how he works it. Well, and I think an important thing too, thank you, Dave, that's very kind, is that the people that I, choose to associate with in these programs mm -hmm. have a certain attitude of um the number one thing i tell people if i'm gonna try to help them get sober or be a guide or whatever is i don't care if what you do like i'm not your dad i'm not yeah. gonna get mad at you yeah because when i came in that wasn't that was something that was expressed to me but there was also people who weren't that way and I see them a lot, a lot who, uh, you know, this shit to me, religion still scares me. Um, and it scares me because it can destroy the uh, zealousy can destroy a very powerful thing, which is, you know, um, the spiritual awakening and zealousy mm -hmm. can destroy that. It does destroy it frequently. That's why I don't like religion. Religion gets in the way of the idea of God pretty frequently. And I can see that happen in meetings and it drives me fucking crazy. Like the first thing I'll tell you is like, you can do whatever you want, man. And then I'm not being facetious in a way that like, you go do whatever you want. Like if you want to drink, I understand that. Like I want to drink sometimes I get this. This isn't a mm -hmm. moral program for me. There's no, 
there's morality within it, but drinking and not drinking, like it's not a moral, but you're not a bad person. I don't care. Mm-hmm. You can drink every day and call me every day. I'll still answer the phone. There's no like rules to this thing. Um, people will be like, well, can I smoke weed and uh, do this? And I'm like, maybe, I don't know how I didn't do it, but if that works for you, go ahead. Like if that's what you do instead of shoot heroin and fucking live on the streets, that's awesome. That's a much better life. My response, my response to that is, well, well, I mean, I understand that there is an emphasis on one substance in, in certain programs. However, why would we, why is a, a person seeking to live the steps? Why would you do anything that separates you from your higher power? That's always yeah. how I approach that. Yeah. Just you know, like, I've never found out a way. To, yeah. I never found a way to do that. So. I do know guys who have gotten sober from Coke, from heroin, and now smoke weed all the time. Yeah, and, and you'll get the post on Facebook. Like, I haven't done cocaine in seven years. And it's like, oh, you smoke hella weed. And I don't care. Yeah, but but dude, yeah. I don't, I'm like, good. That's good. Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, good you're probably you. not going to rob me or beat me up or steal my yeah. purse for that shit. Yeah. You're probably relatively happy and not ruining your family's life. That is a mm-hmm. good thing. If you ever want to stop smoking weed, I might be able to help there. Um, it's not a job. I don't give a fuck. Dude, if you can live a good life doing hard drugs mm-hmm. and not make everyone around you miserable and you're happy with it, that's what I wanted to do. My yep. hero was Hunter S. Thompson. That's who I wanted Same. to be. It just didn't work for me. And then he put a it's fucking not, gun in his mouth, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not an issue of uh, right or wrong. So yeah. I don't and know I, what you're I, asking. No, no, no. And, and it's going to lead into the next uh, question, but like, I always tell people in regards to helping others, um, and it's something I heard from someone with 45 years recently, is the lighthouse doesn't leave the shore looking for the ships. Right, like, yeah. Exactly. I just, I'm just i here with this fucking light that someone gave me, and if you want to make use of it, dope. Mm-hmm. If you want to go fucking sail into the darkness, fucking rock it out. But I know I got to stay here. You know, and that and that comes with honesty and that's you know from the beginning is that that surrender comes with being honest as i can't fucking do this i can't do this anymore and i can't do this by myself so rob how honest are you with yourself and others today uh well i pride myself on being an honest person but there are areas in my life that i'm not dealing with where duplicity occurs and it's not outright lies usually but it's a um a withholding of all the information i'll do that mm, a live um, omission yeah but <laughs> most of the time with people i pride myself on being probably too honest and uh not in a bad way but i, I struggle with you know I mean, it's a difficult, we live in Los Angeles. It's difficult to make relationships sometimes with people here because this isn't a real friendship. What are you doing? I know that. I can't keep that to myself. So what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, there is, especially for folks that have been trained for, you know, however many years of your life to interact in a way with strangers that is authentic because you have a common bond. It can be very exhausting to be in the comedy world where that common bond isn't doesn't exist or the common bond is comedy but there's no steps and traditions holding us all together and so it can be very exhausting but i i my personal thing like coming off this pandemic is i have the belief that i can come back with the integrity and the spirituality that the the um the steps and the traditions have afforded me there has to be a way to balance and that's truly like the most difficult part of long-term recovery from my experience is the experience of balance. Like Mm -hmm. how do we, when you said, you know, I'm going to do this thing and I know it's going to bite me in the ass, but I'm going to do it anyway. You really, after 10 years, you really get a, you really get the ability to exercise that. And that is the weirdest thing, you know? And what I find is that, you know, there have been moments where I painted myself into corners and I've thought, can I get out of this clean? And then there have been moments where I've painted myself into corners and been like, I can get out of this clean, but I also don't want to feel this way. 
that my disease has changed shapes, obviously, and I've chosen to exercise my disease around this. And, um, and it's not, it doesn't feel good. And I didn't, I did, I haven't done all this work to feel like this. Right. Yeah. It's difficult because, uh, the program works great. It works too well yeah. to where I don't think I, I don't remember being drunk to me is like a different life. Honestly, yeah. it's been, I can't imagine that I used to be that way, but the reality is, is I still lack the ability to properly uh, negotiate my will pretty frequently and it usually results in an over indulgence in whatever the fuck i'm into at that exact moment or you know time period and uh and it gets whatever to people place or thing has replaced the using yeah yeah and seeing uh seeing powerlessness in other areas of my life sober with whatever that might be that was a fucking hard pill to swallow that was really difficult for me because it still is sometimes because I was like, I did all this work, blah, 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 you know? So what, for the rest of my life, I'm just going to be chasing this thing all over. And mm -hmm. it's kind of like, yeah, sort of, but yeah. also, um, shut up. Most people don't ever get sober. And there are people who have much worse problems in life. Like my issues in life have always been of abundance almost exclusively. That's mm. my problem is too much of something. That's not a real problem. It is for yeah. me, but you know, in the grand scheme of shit, like it's that selfishness I try to keep in check of like this might, it might really be causing me harm. And, uh, uh, you know, I try not to beat myself up, but also it's like, boo hoo, you got to deal with this. Yeah. Deal with it. Yeah. Well, and for me, an indication of that, um, unmanageability is extreme fear and anxiety, um, which becomes ultimately the engine of my character defects. Like what is, um, what is your experience of fear and anxiety today? I think I struggle still diagnosing that. I don't have a lot of anxiety. Um, well, I don't have a lot of acute anxiety, I guess is what I should say. Um, so I don't like get panic attacks. I don't get like anxious in the moment necessarily. I don't feel like freaking out usually ever. Okay. My anxiety is more of an existential, what the fuck am I doing kind of thing with life. And I think that's part of the chosen career of being a stand-up comedian mm -hmm. or, you know, in comedy in general. Um, but in the past few years, that's gotten less too. So the way that I usually experience it is that kind of, um, it's an over analysis of things to the point where it becomes uh, paralyzing. That's usually what fear looks like. Analysis yeah. by paralysis or whatever the fuck how, how can I strategize a way to fix, manage, and control this situation that engineers the outcome that I desire? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and yeah. I mean, you know, with comedy, it's there is zero promise of anything ever. So nope. it's for any human being a yep. anxiety-inducing event. Um, yeah, so it's like trying to uh, manage that in a healthy way, which I do do not always do for sure. Mm. You know, but I don't have like yeah daily anxieties, which is nice. Almost too little, honestly. I don't know why that is. I think a lot of it is because of how bad things used to be. Yeah. My, my therapist gets into a lot of times she'll be like, you know, it's, it's really easy for you to report what happened. I want to know how you feel about what happened. Mm. And I'm like, I thought I told you how I felt about it. And she goes, no, you just told me the facts. So right. I have this way of compartmentalizing the trauma and chaos and, and just reporting it like a courtroom stenographer but I, I, when asked, how do I feel that that connection to my emotional reality in the present is always very difficult for me. And that's why resentments yeah. crop up because it takes me so much time to realize that I have it. And then yeah. I'm like, oh my God, there, it takes- shit, I'm, hate, I'm mad at this, yeah. Oh, I'm fucking furious. And then I it takes- I just wrote one before we get on this, the resentment. Ooh. Was it yeah, about it was, Dave? It was about uh, having to do this, actually. No, I'm, kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Aww. It was a, 
about a close person I know. And I was like, I feel a little animosity. I'll write it down. And I was like, oh my God, I'm so fucking mad. <laughs> I hate this person. I had no idea. Yeah. Uh, I hear what you're saying. That might be true for me too, where it's just like a uh, compartmentalization. But I also, um, there have been periods in sobriety where I overanalyze things emotionally and it doesn't do me any good. Like, how did I feel today? It's like, it's sometimes like, sometimes it's, it's not, fine. Don't make it a big deal. You know, yeah. sometimes not every emotion is worth fucking investigating. Yeah. Sure. I, I've, wor- I've worked with people where it's like, once you have the ability to analyze, you overdo it. Yeah. You know, and I have to st- like be like, you're just overthinking. There's some things that just don't need to be. Overcorrection about. is really a part of the learning process. It's like, sure. um, it's because we're putting six pounds of information in a five pound can. Um, you see that a lot in, um, like, in my martial arts world. It's like, I'll correct what one hand's doing, the other hand will start doing something wrong. And so to bring those two things together is such an important balance. And, and I think it requires an awareness of, like, our defects and where we're at. Um, Rob, what is the character defect you're working on the most right now? Support for 12 Questions Podcast is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineering tools for your family jewels. Manscaped just launched their fourth generation trimmer, the Lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0. There were three tries before this. Join over 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped. This is an exclusive offer just for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with offer code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. Once again, get 20% off and free shipping with the code 12QPOD at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping. I'm going to say it again. 12QPOD. Put that in there. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. Uh, you want to be honest? Are we going for honesty? Yeah, I want fucking honesty if you're comfortable with it. None. I have been working on none. Okay. Should you be working on some? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> this past year was weird, man. I uh, I didn't do the Zoom thing that much. We did a weekly meeting for a while, and then I kind of fell off. And uh, it was just pure convenience that I didn't do it. A big part for me was routine of getting up and going to a meeting. Mm-hmm. And not having that, I just haven't been doing it as much. So... Um, yeah, I haven't been working spiritually very much in the past six months. Things are good. I'll pray every now and then. I'll write a resentment out. I'll do a little meditation, but nothing. No, I need to. The main one that I need to work on is probably, um, I don't know. I still, uh, am wildly irresponsible and enjoy being that way. Not, uh, not being irresponsible, but I enjoy not having a lot of responsibilities, I guess, uh, mm-hmm. Arrested development in being an adult. I'm going to be 36. It's probably time I fucking learn how to make my bed or something, you know? Simple shit like that. Where I'm it's older just than like, that, and my do, bed do is you, covered do you in have stuff a box, right now. Do you have a box spring? Is it on the floor? No, I got uh, I got a whole shebang, but it's You're doing better you than any comedian. Yeah. That is... <laughs> listen, human beings of this world, stop hooking up with people with a mattress on the floor. Just stop, because that's the only way... That's the only way we're going to put an end to this behavior. You got to stop yeah, fucking I, these people. My first five years out here, I slept on an air mattress. So For five years? Mm-hmm. How jacked up is your back? Real bad. It's oh. so bad. I would buy a new air mattress once a month at Walmart for $20. You could have bought a whole mattress for that price. Yeah, yeah but not at, at least a time. year. I never had the amount. You know, I had 20 and at a time. Is, and, and you were sober, too. Oh, oh very sober. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man. Like I said, I respect Rob's knowledge of the program. <laughs> no, I fuck it. I get it. There was I went through a gnarly breakup at like six, seven years, and I was sleeping on an air mattress, and I remember and all my stuff was in a pile in the corner like it was back in the day. And I remember that was like my big spiritual awakening is like breaking down and finally having a conversation with my higher power about like how I did not get clean to live this way. And yeah. um and But that's even, life. Life is hard. Life is life on life's terms is difficult, and we all go it through that shit. Normal people stop. who aren't addicts go through yeah. that shit. Oh yeah, it's perfectly normal. 
But also yeah. it's it's hard to do the whole mattress box spring thing when you hear stories of like women that are willing to fuck dudes that live in vans, right? You're like, I got laid all the time on that air mattress. So yeah, like exactly. Hot why Rob. Would was, I, why was, would was, I change yeah. this? It's not affecting me. Ah, again, again, again. Yeah. So he would replace the air mattress every month because he would fucking pop it. Yeah, because I'm a gentleman. My my friend from back home. One time I showed them a picture of my apartment. It was literally just the air mattress in a room with nothing on the wall. And he was like, you look like a hitman in town for a job. <sighs> Coming was, in like Barry. <laughs> yeah. It was like, like heat. I got to be able to get out in five minutes. That's crazy. That's crazy. Oh, my gosh. Rob, how do you Good experience fun. forgiveness today? Um, by doing uh, inventories. That's the only way I can do it. By writing an inventory. It's the only way. And even that's hard sometimes. Um, yeah, I have to write it out. I have to see uh, where I'm at fault uh, before I can even begin to forgive somebody because I got to know why I'm mad, first of all. Mm. A caveat to this is I don't get very many resentments anymore. It's really nice. I used to get yeah. them so badly that I couldn't sleep. Like I was mm -hmm. so mad that I couldn't sleep. Ooh, were you a have a fight in the shower person? Oh, all the fucking Oh, time. yeah, like hour-long showers where only five minutes of cleaning has happened where you're just yeah. yelling at a person. Like I used fake. to do porch swearing. I was dating a girl and it wasn't going well, and I would do porch swearing. I would just go on the porch and swear. <laughs> ah, it was bad. But, this, uh, yeah. this motherfucker. <laughs> it was so bad. Like, I would, uh, yeah, the people next door would be like, what's wrong with this guy? Mm. Um but yeah, I don't get them as often, so that's good. But um, yeah, inventory. I got to write it out. I got to figure out where the fuck I am at fault. I got to talk to somebody else. And then at some point, I have to pray about it. Uh, I have to pray to have the defects removed from me. Um, and then uh, if it stays, I have to pray directly for that person for a period of time. And then if it stays, oftentimes the stupidest thing and should be the first thing is I talk to the fucking person. I just recently had a resentment that was like two years going. It wasn't a big one, but it was like a little one, you know, and it was not fucking going away. And every mm. time I saw the person, it would just buzz in my head. It's like getting a splinter in your finger. Yeah. Yeah. And I finally talked to him and he was like, oh, I'm sorry, man. I didn't even know. And I was like, oh, shit. You know, it, it was not intentional. And I was just carrying around this nonsense with me and as soon as he said that i was like okay i'm good mm. yeah well what's a surprising amends or apology that you've either made or received uh, or apology uh, i don't know i stole a bunch of money from my brother uh when i was doing drugs mm-hmm <laughs> And I made a med time. It was like, it wasn't a lot. It was like $300. But at that time for both of us, it was a lot. And I paid him back. And he was just like, oh, awesome. I can go buy video games. Like, didn't care at all that it, that I'd stolen the money. Was just excited in the moment that he now had $300. Wow. It was <laughs> like you banked it for him. That's nice. Hilarious. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, don't know. I don't remember a lot of them. What were Most your, of them were pretty uneventful. What were your expectations of his response? Did you think he was going to be really upset? or? Yeah, I figured he'd be mad. I figured he would be pissed off at me. and uh, Or like disappointed in me or whatever. I don't know. He's my younger brother. so. But he wasn't. He was just like, oh, cool. Thanks, Rob. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that must have been yeah, a lot. He knew I was very fucked up and he was happy that I was no longer drinking. So I think that was a big part of it. Did that give you a moment of like being able to forgive yourself? Um, not, yeah. Well, all of them, there was no one bigger men's for me where I was just like, where I was able to let the way of the world go. It was, uh, the collective, you know, all of them, you know, that really kind of realized that you're not a piece of shit type mm -hmm. of thing. Yeah. Oh. I love that. How are you, you know, you've mentioned that you struggled with the Zoom of it all over the last year or so. Have you found an in-person meeting now that things are opening up? No, 
but the one I used to go to daily is not there anymore. Oh, okay. They moved okay. or some shit. So I got to make an effort. Yeah. Like what in this time in your life, like what's your daily routine that's keeping you sane? Honestly, and this is like, I know that, that I'm in, not dangerous, but it, it could potentially lead to dangerous territory. It's like, I've been sober for 10 years. I'm relatively sane on a given day-to-day basis. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of what this whole thing is for. That's what the program says, right? It says if you do all this, you'll have a spiritual awakening and you'll be able to uh, operate on a semi-sane plane. Mm-hmm. So my daily spiritual regimen has been mean, uh, pretty small, honestly. And I've been fine. Um, you know, I haven't, there hasn't been any trauma. There hasn't been any chaos. Uh, there are areas in my life that need to be fixed. And maybe that's why I'm kind of, or not fixed, but they need to be adjusted to a more manageable you know, nothing's broken, but uh, maybe that's why I'm kind of dragging my feet. I'm going back to meetings just to not have to look at that shit. But my daily practice is pretty minimal. And I'm fine. When I um, moved, when I moved back to Los Angeles from uh, Long Beach, where I had really had a really strong spiritual community, like a lot of really good meetings. Um, and uh, I wasn't connecting in LA the way I was there. And there, so I kind of just wasn't going to meetings for a couple of months and I was becoming very sensitive and unmanageable. And I remember texting my sponsor one morning and being like, and she just said to me, you know what, girl, my only response to this is you need to go to a meeting. And I went to make myself coffee. I open the cupboard, I pull out my little cafe Bustello and I look and there's nothing inside the can. And I was like, son of a bitch. And I pulled out my cell phone. I found the nearest meeting. It was a half mile away. It was like, went there, got myself a cup of fucking coffee. And that's what it took to get me to the meeting. Because I was just like, and I marched in. I didn't look at anybody. I just marched into this meeting hall in the valley, just marched in, beelined it for the coffee pot, got my coffee and sat the fuck down. (laughs) It's so funny. When you spend some time away, you always go back in with kind of a shitty attitude like fuck this i don't want to be mm-hmm. here fuck you guys and then you get coffee and you sit down in 10 minutes and you're like i miss being here yeah <laughs> oh yeah i went to uh, i found out that there's an in-person meeting hall down the street from where i live now and uh, it was my first one like i think i went to maybe two in-person meetings throughout my travels over the pandemic and i didn't get nothing from them it just like felt like weird still but like now, since we're crawling out of this shit, I went to this in-person meeting that was a seven-minute walk from my house. And I almost fucking cried because it had yeah. all the old stuff on the walls and like the mm. bookcase full of like tattered up fucking literature. And it did had a it range s- of people. Did it, it smell like, like a meeting? Oh, yeah. That's that like smell the, of coffee and old wood. Carpet. Yeah, old yeah. carpet. Like someone's like easy does it sign that they hung in the window like mm-hmm. 30 years ago yeah and i like almost wept because it just felt good to be back in that environment it's just like it's 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 uh it's like uh it's like mom's meatloaf where it's like it might mm-hmm. not be the best but it's it's comforting and i think that's yeah. got all the smells and sounds of a, a old meeting place I, I've, I've walked into venues that are kind of like multi-purpose venues and like as a comedian and been like they have meetings in here. Like I can smell, I can <laughs> a smell a meeting. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, they have meetings here. Yeah. I can tell looking at the chairs smells like coffee. What are we doing here? <laughs> and that's like, I tend to be an extremely analytical person and faith has always been a difficult idea for me and higher power and all that shit. But, uh, there is an intangible thing that occurs that I have no explanation for when I go to a meeting and it might not happen the first time I go to a meeting, which is pisses me off because I'm an addict and I want immediacy. But mm-hmm. at some point I'm sitting in a meeting and I feel relief. I feel uh, a tension leave my body for no reason, right? There's nothing happening there other than people talking. There's no fucking magic gas they pump in the air. It just occurs in that, to me sometimes is all I need to hang on to the idea of like spiritual um, the need for a spiritual life 
Well, and simply put, what would you say your relationship with a higher power is? Or if you don't have one, what, what, how would you describe? I definitely have one. Uh, it's not the closest we've ever, we've ever been. There are periods of time where I've always struggled with prayer. I do it, but I always struggle with it because the idea of a monotheistic God never made sense to me. And it was always difficult for me. And I didn't understand it because I couldn't conceptualize it. And I need to be able to conceptualize something to work towards it. At least I, I just do it. It's the way my brain works. Mm-hmm. I still do the actions and I still get the results. So I was able to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, at some point need something that makes logical sense to me and comfort or not lot necessarily logical sense, but I need to be able to, uh, I don't know. It just needs to fit. And it didn't ever fit that way. Mm. Um, but I still get the benefits. So that's nice. You don't have to fucking, and I'm not even talking about figuring it out. I just mean, whatever. That was nonsense. Um, the way it looks for me today is, uh, is gratitude. Really. That's it. Um, having gratitude for people in my life and, uh, for things in my life and for, uh, my parents and my family, my nieces and nephews. It's as simple as that. And I don't overanalyze it. And often that's more than enough for me to feel like I have a connection with something bigger than me. Mm-hmm. Cause that's all that is to me. Like that's another thing I hear in meetings and I've heard it a lot. And it's not like something that I care to argue with them about at the time, but people have said like God means god i've heard that a lot like it means the lord really yeah i've heard that a lot Not the meetings i go to it's just like it's just a word to identify a deity or not even just something greater than ourselves you know there's that too for sure i hear that a lot too yeah i love a higher power call it an hp you know what i mean yeah i've equal i've heard that a lot too but i've heard a decent amount of people say you know, it means God, like, don't kid yourself. You know, you mm. can believe it's a doorknob for a while, but it means, you know, eventually you got to get with the program. And it's just such a fucking damaging message. It's so yeah. unhealthy and scary and bad. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, ah, it bothers me a lot. Um, and that, you know, uh, the simplicity of meditation, um, the simplicity of gratitude and um the willingness to listen to some newcomer who's three days sober is really the only relationship i need at this point it doesn't need to be more convoluted or uh conceptualized but that really i love that rob we made it to the end oh yay yeah we've got one more question for you if you are ready Sure. How big that dick? No. With? Um, Are you talking width or length? What do you want? W or L? Girth. We want girth. W? But in, and I would like it measured in Legos. Um, what is... Three Harry Potter Legos. <laughs> what is your... Um, what is one thing you would say to somebody just like you in the world? Uh... You should be nicer <laughs> mm. to yourself or to others. Everybody. Both. Yeah. I'm impatient. I'm a dick sometimes. Mm. Be nicer. Also, chill out. You're doing good. Yeah. Those two things. Growing up, all I needed really was somebody. I don't. I was a fucking crazy person, and when I encounter new people, all I really want to hear and tell them often is like, "You're not crazy. You'll be fine." Yeah. You're not crazy is a big one. You don't yes. know how many program calls have started with. So a thing happened and I need to know if I'm fucking crazy or not. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah. did this really happen in the way that I'm hearing it or the way that I'm experiencing it? And then they're like, yep, that happened. You're not crazy. And I'm like, thank God. Like, <laughs> yeah, you just like, dude, if you just, I mean, if you're an alcoholic and you're a drug addict in the beginning, it's obviously very scary and terrifying but if you just do what you're told then like you'll be fine it'll all be okay i promise you just gotta try yeah yeah i love that rob where can people find you and all the fabulous things that you're creating and doing and putting out there 
Um, we have a sketch show that is on Amazon Prime. There is one episode right now. The second one will be coming out soon. It's called The Red Rob Roy Show. It's fun. We would love it if you watched. You can also find me on Instagram at Rob Pug Comic. Yeah. That's it. Awesome. Oh, and I have a podcast too. It's called the No Charisma Podcast. You guys are welcome to come on whenever you want. It's the That's exact the perfect description for a No Charisma Podcast. Oh yeah, we do. This oh yeah. Podcast. Oh wow. I would yeah. love to. I would love to come on. I mean, it'll be yes. difficult because I'm oozing with charisma, but I would love to come on. It's a descriptor of me and my co-host. Yeah, uh, I have I no charisma, so I'd be happy to do it. That's right a, Rob, you have charisma. I don't know what you're talking about. Well. You know, it's a funny this thing. is how hot I, Rob operates. Okay? I know, I know. Oh, oh no, oh, I, I don't know. have, ca- oh, I don't have charisma. I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. I fuck on an air mattress. Oh, oh. I'm just some country bumpkin. Yeah, this this Connecticut plebe. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, where can people find you and your things? You can find me at Yates Comedy, Y-A-T-E-S Comedy, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, all of the things. Uh, I'm literally in the middle of attempting to release 100 clips in 100 days of my stand-up. Nice. So if you want to, I'm, uh, I've actually done more than that. But since creating the, the notion, I'm about five days in. And not all of it's going to be good. But the one thing I've done uh, in the past 10 years of my career is I have a backlog of video footage. And there's some shit that's not good from like 2015. So if you hang on long enough at Yates Comedy, you'll see me being terrible at stand-up. Um, or currently terrible at stand-up. Depends. Ah, I love it. I love it. That's not true. You're you're talented. The both of y'all are very talented. I learn something every time I see you go on stage. Um and uh, where you can find me in this podcast is at Anna V is fun. That's Anna with two N's on Twitter, Instagram, all the social medias. Um, you can find me at AnnaValenzuela.com for show dates and information. Um, you can also follow this podcast at 12Q Pod on all the social media. Um, that's also our Gmail. And we are getting very close to releasing an episode that's all listener questions for us, which is really exciting. So keep those questions coming. We love 12Q them. 12Q Pod at gmail.com send listener questions we will do a listener episode it all depends on how much questions we get so and oh yeah sorry send them please send them please send them and uh if you have um you know we've been teasing doing a lot of big things with this podcast we're ramping up for that stuff uh very soon so um please 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 keep an eye out tell your friends uh like and subscribe do what do what you got to do so you can find out all the cool stuff that we're doing with this podcast and how we end this uh how we end this every time is rob if nobody's told you this today we love you love you thank you guys i love both of you too thank you so much for having me yeah, thank you for doing it. And Dave, Fun. if nobody's told you this today, we love you. Uh, every time. Every time. Uh, Someday he'll accept it. Um, and if you're listening to this and nobody's told you this today, we love you. Thanks, love guys. You. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.